0: Let's share just a little bit from God's Word today. Today we're, we're going to launch a five-part series on the book of Esther. So we're going to start. So today is is a kind of introduction-y bit. Okay, so we'll be a little shorter today than we would normally be, but we want to set the tone and, and just give you a, a kind of introduction to where we're going to go in Esther. Now... Kath and I, we like movies, but we don't like the same movies. So for us to go to the cinema is a disaster. You know, she likes all that kissing stuff. And I like a good space monster. (laughs) And never the twain meet. Kath loves thrillers and things that make you think, because she's good at working that out, and I'm just rubbish at that. I like to laugh, I, I, I like to be entertained when I watch a movie, and the, the crazier the better. And we're just very different like that, but on rare occasions you'll find a movie that has everything for both of us, and uh, even a monster. And there's a movie years and years ago called The Sting. Who remembers The Sting with Robert Redford? Yeah, a very famous soundtrack. And to cut a long story short, it's, it's a bunch of guys trying to, to rip off an even worse bunch of guys. <laughs> That's basically what it's about. And The Sting is that, that someone who's trying to, to, to rob you themselves ends up getting robbed. That's the basis of the movie. And I've saved you quite a lot of money going to the cinema now. So I hope you appreciate that. And one of the most exciting stings in all of literature is found in the book of Esther. It's a story of one man in particular whose hatred of an entire group of people really bounces back on him and goes extremely wrong and the very thing he wanted for them becomes the very thing that happens to him and the very thing he did not want for them becomes the very thing that happens to them it's an incredible story and there are five primary characters in the story now I need a little bit of help okay will you help me this morning will you? are you sure? anybody out there? I need you to boo at the bad guys and I need you to cheer at the good guys. Okay? There are five primary characters that we're going to look at over the next few weeks. We'll be introduced to them. So let me introduce you to the bad guys. I haven't told you who they are yet. (laughs) We find the first one in Esther chapter 1, the first two verses. And this is what it says. These events happened. I beg your pardon. These events happened in the days of King Xerxes, who reigned. Somebody's got it. Who reigned over the 127 provinces stretching from India to Ethiopia. Do you have any idea how big that kingdom was? That empire? That is as humongous. At that time, Xerxes. Well, we've got somebody down the front here in the expensive seats appreciating this. At that time, Xerxes ruled his empire from his royal throne at the fortress of Susa. Now, this is the third year of his reign. And in the third year of his reign, he gives a banquet for the nobles of his kingdom and the military leaders of his empire. And his focus, he was a nasty bit of worthless king. His focus was entirely on himself and on wealth. He was a crazy, megalomaniac ruler and merciless with everyone around him. He's in the third year of his 21 years of reign. And he's ruling this massive empire that stretches across most of the known world at that time. The second of our bad guys is called Haman. He becomes the centerpiece for where we're going to go over the next few weeks. But there are some good guys in our story too. (laughs) Listen, you know, don't go to any (laughs) pantomimes you lot. The first of the good guys is Queen Vashti. And we find in in Esther 1 verse 9, this is what it says. At the same time as he was giving his banquet, Queen Vashti gave a banquet for the women of the royal palace of King Xerxes. Thank you very much for that. You're a hard, hard audience. When you're reading your Bible, you'll see Xerxes, but you'll also see the name Ahasuerus. That's the Hebrew name for Xerxes. That's all that's going on there. Okay, it's not two different people. That's what that means. So we have Queen Vashti. And the second of our good guys is Queen Esther. And in chapter 2 and verse 7, this man had a beautiful and lovely young cousin, Hadasha. Now that's the Hebrew name for Esther who was also called Esther. And when her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. She is a beautiful young woman. The third of our good guys is Uncle Mordecai. We come across him in Esther 2, verse 5 to 6. And this is what it says. At that time there was a Jewish man in the fortress of Susa whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair. He was from the tribe of Benjamin and a descendant of Kish and Shemai. And his family had been among those who, with King Jehoiakim of Judah, had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. There's a history lesson for you. Okay? So he's, he's a wonderful man, is Mordecai thank you to my faithful faithful helpers down there and what happens in this story and today I'm just giving you the background because we're really going to go deep into the book of Esther over the next few weeks and we'll see life changing lessons that apply to us today that's so important what has happened is this king he has called together all of his nobles to have this banquet and often these banquets would last up to 15 days and they were incredibly drunken, raucous, debauched affairs. And one of, the, one of the conditions was that the wine would flow freely. There would be no, no level of what someone could do. It was a terrible, debauched time. And history shows him to be one of the worst kings for this sort of behavior. And he actually brings in his queen, Vashti. Thank you very much. He brings in Queen Vashti. And this is what he asks her to do. You can read the story yourself at home. This is what he asks her to do. He pretty much asks her to present herself naked before all of these drunken, debauched characters in this room. Can kind of man does that with his wife? That's how bad this man was. And this queen has got some backbone to her. She says, No it's not going to happen and he instantly flies into a rage he calls together all of his advisors and they say this has to stop and this is what they actually say this has to stop because every wife in Persia is going to start behaving like this and so she's banished and she's put out of the king's presence and put into exile she's an amazing woman Well, four years later, the king realizes that he has no queen. Four years, it takes him to notice what's happened. It's incredible, isn't it? And so, his advisors tell him, let's have a Miss Persia beauty contest. And that's exactly what happens. And Mordecai presents Esther before the queen and she is stunningly beautiful and he's smitten by her and he cancels the Miss Persia contest and he makes her his queen and he doesn't know that she's a Jew he doesn't know this now this is real important because we're going to see this over the next few weeks as we go along Now, shortly after Esther becomes queen, Mordecai is given a government job. Now, we can see the finger of God moving here and manipulating things, and all of a sudden, he's bringing his people into key positions in an incredibly bad situation. That's what God does. Now, when we just look at the bleakness of things, we forget that he is engineering things behind the scenes And he's doing exactly that here. And Haman, Haman is trying to create a holocaust in the ancient world to destroy the Jewish people. Well, the Bible tells us that Haman comes from the line of a man called Agag, who was an Amalekite. And if you know anything about the Amalekites, they are the mortal enemies of Israel. There's nothing but conflict. They are the descendants of Esau. There's conflict all the way through the Old Testament between the Amalekites and the people of Israel. And he is a descendant of this. And when he finds out that Mordecai is a descendant of the Jews, of the line of Saul, he is incensed and he wants to see them all put to death. And so he misinforms the king to get him to issue a decree. And it's at that point when Mordecai hears that, that he introduces Esther before the queen. Here's the first lesson from a a simple introduction this morning. Never forget that God's in control. Never forget that. No matter what's happening, no matter how hard it looks, no matter how bleak things may look, no matter how difficult things are going on, never forget that God is in control. That's why we read in Romans 8:48, for we know that in all things God works to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Never forget that God is in control, regardless of what is happening around you or to you. And never forget that you can count upon him. He is always working out his purposes. Even in the most difficult of situations and the most bleak of situations, he is working things out. The Bible does not say all things are good. There are some things that happen to us that are decidedly not good. Perhaps a chronic illness is not good. A relationship breakdown is not good. But God works that for good. Never lose sight that he is in control and he is working behind the scenes. You can count on him. You might not be able to see what he's doing, but he has an awesome view of the road ahead. He sees exactly where we're going and exactly what's going to happen. And God never, never, reneges on his promises if he has said it he will do it in fact we could basically sum up a life of faith like this we could say God said it I believe it that's all there is to it God said it I believe it that's all there is to it and when we complicate that by adding in difficulties especially unbelief when we look at things and we only see what our eyes tell us then we lose sight of the fact that God is in control and he will work all things out you have to always remember and never forget who you are and whose you are never forget who you are and whose you are we are the children of God nudge someone smile at them Tell them, we are the children of God. Go and do it. We are the children of God. It's a fact. Never forget who we are or whose we are. He is our Father. He has promised. He has promised that in His house there is room for all. And Jesus has promised that when He is ready, He will come and take us to be with Him in Father's house. He has promised, never forget who you are and whose you are. And just like any good father desires to bless his children, so does your heavenly father desire to bless you. And so it was in the days of Esther. A calamitous situation where this Haman had gone to the king And he'd lied to the king and misled the king. And the king had made a decree that the Jewish people were to die on a certain day. All of them. And in that ancient world, the law of the Medes and Persians could not be revoked. That's what it means, the law of the Medes and Persians. Historically, it's recognized as something. When it was said, not even the king could revoke a previous edict that he had made. This is a, calamitous situation can you imagine that we are the people of israel and on a certain date we are all going to be put to death it's a given it's going to happen nothing can change that it's a horrendous situation and yet unknown to us behind the scenes god is at work he is maneuvering he is positioning all sorts of things and something amazing is going to happen. And we're going to watch that unfold over the next few weeks as he does that. In Romans eight fifteen to 17. Do we have that one? Or, or shall we, There we are. We read, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, now you see that? A little comma. Instead, in other words, there's an alternative going on here. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Now this is what you have received. God's Spirit, when He adopted you as His own children. And now we call Him Abba Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we're heirs of God. Heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in His glory, we must also share In his suffering. Because we know that in all things God works for the good. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Do you love him this morning? Do you know him as your saviour? Then you're called according to his purpose. He is working for the good in your life and our life. Amazing things that we cannot yet see. Because we're still focused on that which lies immediately before us. Esther could quite easily have ignored who she was. But she knew she was first and foremost a child of God. Before she was a queen of Persia. She knew first and foremost that she was a Jewess. Before she was a Persian queen. I'm very proud to be a Scot, but I'm even more proud that my citizenship is in heaven. That's what I'm most proud about. See, it's wonderful. I'm, I'm very proud to be Scottish, but I didn't choose that. And I didn't apply for that. That's just the way life worked. And we should all, we should all feel a sense of of joy. In who we are and where we come from. But if we want to boast in anything, let's boast in Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's what's important. And Esther knows this. And she knows that she's there for a very, very special moment. Never forget, my friends, God's promises are completely trustworthy. He was working his plan when Esther became the queen. He was working his plan when he placed Mordecai in the government. He was working his plan even when Haman was plotting a holocaust. God was at work. He was already working out his plan, whilst evil was spreading all around him. What a God we serve. Sometimes it's like driving a car. You know, we can only see a little of what lies ahead. But the Lord has an eagle's view, not only of the road, but of the end result of where that road goes. He knows every twist, every turn. He knows every, every difficulty, every obstacle, every pothole, everything that could go wrong, has gone wrong, and might go wrong. He knows. He can see that. And He is working out His plan for each and every one of our lives. So over the next few weeks, we're really going to unpack this book and we're going to see exactly how he does that. And we're going to see why we can truly say our God is able and Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Let's pray together.